0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the PPC Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Garrett Gerhardt, and with us today is Tobin Wilson. Hey Tobin. Hey Garrett. And last week was Easter Sunday. That was a lot of fun. We had uh, a lot of people here on campus. It's always an exciting uh, service uh, where it's kind of a s- celebratory mood. Um, coming off of Good Friday, which we had a Ten Embrace service this week, so kind of a dark, solemn service where, where Easter was a really good uh, contrast to that. So we were all celebrating and saying he is risen. And uh, it was great. What did you think?
1: Oh, I loved it. Um, it was a great, you know, holding in juxtaposition Friday to Sunday is, you know, Friday is a time to lament and grieve and uh, really envision Christ on the cross for each of us. And then Sunday's the celebration of the resurrection you know, by a God whose middle name is Surprise. Didn't see that coming, you know. Yeah. Uh, not many people actually raise are raised from the dead. You know, we're resuscitated, uh, but we got the same old thing and Jesus was resurrected to a to a new spiritual body. So it's it was a fascinating juxtaposition of of the of of, of Good Friday, which tenebrae is a service of shadows and darkness. And uh, Sunday is just a it's a party.
0: Yeah, it really was a party. You know,
1: it was a party and I I liked it for I was caught off guard in some respects, really good and I mean that in a good way. Uh, The number of people that came, both Friday and Sunday, uh, multi-generations from young to old. Uh, It was a great representation of the demographic makeup of the neighborhood both those services were. Blew me away, Um, and I was so pleased with that, and just so happy to, uh, to be a curator of the spiritual needs of the neighborhood, and, and really to see so much of the good work of the church here over the last, you know, five to ten years, and, and what they said that they wanted to do, you know, there was some seeing of the fruit of that. So it was it was really a great, wow! I didn't see that coming. Uh, this was fabulous.
0: Yeah, you could feel a moment, energy, right? The energy, great energy. Yeah. All these people there, you know, uh, guests and people checking it out. Yeah, um, but all of us, you know, who served the church, just seeing people there. Uh, who were new it was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this, the the message real quick. It's a good culmination of the uh, the Lent series. Uh, the message was titled the Easter message. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Easter Sunday. So uh, I didn't have to come up with the title. That must have been nice. Uh, so we've been talking about um, this idea of freedom, and uh, we've been talking about this for quite a few weeks. And this Sunday was the the conclusion to that. And and I, in a lot of ways, the simple answer to the question, you know, why is it that we have freedom and where does this freedom come from? And so, um, great message. You did this really cool thing where you connected, uh, the story of Easter to this concept called story brands, which is a book that you've read and I'm reading right now. And, um, like you said, it ruins all movies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you plugged in the, this, this moment, the Easter, uh, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection and Jesus life into, uh, You know this this movie format. So if you didn't listen to the sermon, um, you can do that here at the previous episode of the podcast. But uh, what was that like taking the story of Jesus and plugging that into uh, the movie format story brand?
1: Well, it was really it was actually really fun. It was a book I read on vacation, which I had a wonderful time. My wife and I were in Cabo San Lucas and had a chance to marry a really good friend and uh, then stay a few days for vacation and uh, read the book actually a couple times on vacation. Um, and building your story brand was written by a guy named Donald Miller, who's the blue like jazz guy. If you've read that, and he's read, written a whole bunch of other books, but he's, he took a pause from that. And he, he really rebranded himself and restored himself. Uh, and he helps businesses and organizations build a story brand. And, and so I, I was just fascinated by the whole concept and, uh, Everybody, There's this inherent desire, I think, in all people, even though we're much more isolated and individuated, we long for community, we long for something bigger than ourselves, we long to be a part of a tradition that's bigger than self, whether it's religion or philosophy, there's always this desire to be more than just me. You know, so we gather at coffee shops or third places, and we have community. Uh, there's a lot of different words that we use for things like that. It could be a book club. It could be uh, just sit around and have coffee. It could just be sit around and tell jokes or look at play games. I mean, there's just so many different ways that we that we try to build community because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So that's that's really the underlying premise of building your story brand. What is the story? Because stories communicate better than. <laughs> Than uh, statements or dogma, you know, that's a big word for ideology, mm-hmm. which is a big word for, uh, I don't know, I can't think really fast off the top of my head. But um, anyway, there's seven movements to, to building the story brand. Let me recap them real quick in case somebody didn't hear. There's, there's, there's always a, hero, a character in the story. That's the hero or the shiro and, and that's every single one of us. And they have a problem. They get stuck. Uh, there's, a, there's an obstacle that's the second aspect. The third aspect is they, they enlist for themselves a, a guide, a mentor, a docent, someone that, can, that has already gone through it. They don't have to be perfect, the guide, uh, but they at least have to be empathetic and competent. In other words, they can, they can walk with me and create a game plan, which is the fourth step, call me to action which is the fifth step so that I avoid failure that's the sixth and I survive and thrive that's the seventh and the ultimate outcome is that that I'm changed I'm different I've succeeded uh, in the midst of the tension of will I succeed or not succeed will he fail will he live will he die and uh, so I was fascinated by just that move and you know really if you start thinking about any great story it contains those components and those elements, even in my own life. And so the premise of the story brand is uh, that I'm the hero of my life, uh, just like my wife would be the hero of her heroine of her life. And yet we each get stuck. So we, Luke Skywalker, enlists you know Yoda uh, to overcome his villain, which is. Uh, the evil imperial army and Darth Vader because there's this philosophical uh, good versus evil thing going on. So Yoda helps him figure out that he's actually a Jedi knight and he succeeds in blowing up the, the Death Star and avoids his own death and everyone lives happily ever after until the next sequel, at least anyway. And then the whole story repeats itself. Even right? if so, you
0: kissed your sister? It's... Yeah. Yeah. I not <laughs> thought about that. Thanks.
1: So this, this notion of, all right, that's a great story. Well, Moses' story was the same. Jesus' story right. really follows that as well. And what's your story today? Moses had a moment where he never knew whether he was going to make it or not to freedom. Uh, Jesus didn't work out real well for him on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. He was crucified. Uh, and yet the great news about Jesus' story is Easter Sunday arrives, and he actually overcame death, overcame the enemy, uh, and he rose from the dead, and he's alive. So I was fascinated to try and tether together Moses' story, Jesus' story, my story, your story, everybody's story, uh, in such a way that it talks about uh, uh, freedom at the end of the day, where Mm. we all survive and thrive, and we're all transformed. Yeah. So anyway, what did you hear? What did you find fascinating about about that move?
0: well you know i I thought it was or you just said it's everyone's story, and whenever you can take biblical figures, especially Jesus and make him um, easier to relate to, I think is important for our learning and discipleship and um you know I, I, and within the same i don't know four or five minute example you your Jesus is the main character, and he's the the hero, which is obvious because he's Jesus. And then you you talk about how he had villains and challenges and guides, God and and the Holy Spirit. Um, But then three minutes later, we are that, you put us into that same story in that same script. So now you're the hero. Uh, Even if you don't feel like a hero, you're still the main character of your own life. And you can, uh, you're going to experience difficulties and challenges and you can enlist a guide and that guide can be Jesus. So it was really cool to take something that, seem like a biblical truth and, and I guess a fictional narrative truth, and then apply that immediately to our lives, but it's also true of our own life. Um, I thought that was really powerful. And to know that in the same way that, that Jesus overcame and experienced freedom, um, we can also experience that. So I thought that was really interesting. And, and uh, you gave us five steps um, about how we can take these steps on the road to freedom Um, and of course the first one is turn to have Jesus be your guide and turn to Jesus. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in the middle there, there's talking about, uh, the road will not be the shortest route, but you will get there. I thought that was good. That reminding us that it's going to be difficult, just like good Friday was difficult, um, for Jesus. Uh, and then you can watch him do big things and, uh, participate in that story. And then your last step is talking about how to get to the other side, uh, just be in awe and trust that uh, it will continue to be so. So when you're thinking about um, people who were there on Sunday, people who were listening, you know, uh, what's a takeaway or a practical, even even in context of these steps, a practical way um, they can apply uh, living in freedom and having Jesus be their guide? What does that look like?
1: Uh, I'm going to answer that from a 55-year-old perspective, then I'll ask you the same question because <laughs> right. you're a little bit younger in a different generation, and it'd be good to hear your response to that, too. Uh, uh, for me, there's always a lot of self-doubt. Can I do this? Am I equipped? Do I have what it takes? Remember when you did that, you know, regrets of the past that hold you back. Um, sometimes it's even fear of the future. So there's there's a lot of anxieties there. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of self-doubt. There's a lot of things that actually hold people back from total freedom. Mm -hmm. And even at my age, it's fascinating. Uh, There are a lot of things that I do that I feel quite a bit more competent in nowadays. But there's always that question... Because life changes so quickly, technology changes so quickly, the Sitz im Leben, the situation in life, that's a big word, sorry about that. Is that German? That's German, man. Sitz im Leben, that's which awesome. is situation in life. Uh, the Sitz im Leben changes so quickly now, uh, cultural mores change. You know, it's funny, because what used to be heresy 25, 30 years ago is almost common thinking now, hmm. um, and that's a whole nother podcast conversation, but... But everything changes, everything's in flux, yet these great stories don't change. Hmm. They're still there, they're kind of the staples, the foundations, the, the anchor that help us navigate shifting, shifting sands, tsunami of change so quickly, right? So for me, um, these voices of self-doubt and I'm not good enough or I'm not stacking up, uh, those are pretty powerful voices inside my head that I'm still surprised they're there. Hmm. In some respects, I would have thought they're not as loud as they used to be, but they're still they're still prevalent. What ifs? Uh, maybe I should have. Uh, there's a lot of different voices that that at times paralyze me as a human being, and I don't think I'm alone in that struggle. Mm-hmm. I think if people are really honest, that they would. <laughs> probably say the same types of things so for me being free from that kind of self-doubt which is which is a motivator to enlist a guide Mm -hmm. to enlist a god to enlist the community of people that have similar values that i do that i can walk with in fact i was just talking to a guy today who a young man that was in my office and he's he really wanted. As a result, I saw him again Sunday. He wanted to. He wants to get his life back on track, and I can't go into all the details. Uh, but he, one of the things he said to me was, "I thought I was in control of my life, and I realized I wasn't, and I need some help." That's mm. like every single one of us, yeah. Right? Doesn't matter if we're eighteen years old, fifty years old, even ninety-five years old. We still have these moments where, gosh. I'm the hero of my story. I'm stuck. I need somebody else, and sometimes that somebody else comes in the form of Jesus, and sometimes it comes in the form of another person, and that's already gone through something like that. And we walk mm-hmm. together and, and create a way forward. So, you know, those those inner psychic voices that freeze us. Uh, to me, that's a powerful chain to break. And that's really the message of Easter. I mean, yeah, Jesus got incarnate, died on the cross, take away my sins, give me meaning, purpose, value, and significance for today. Uh, but he's also a spiritual guide when I get stuck. And because uh, no one wants to live stuck,
0: yeah.
1: you know, in a permanent state of stuckness, which is not a big word, but it's kind of funny to say stuckness. Um, <laughs> and Jesus walks with us, creates a plan for us, calls us to action, and we survive and thrive. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by that by that whole move. And I'm I'm curious, in your life, you know, as a I don't remember, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're younger than I am. Almost more and more, more people more and more people are younger than me nowadays. So what is what what are those things in your life practically that cause you to be stuck uh and where do you turn, you know, to to unfreeze and move forward?
0: Hmm. You know, when I um, first heard the terminology on Sunday used, breaking the chains, it made me th- immediately think of uh, a, term, a term that uh, the author John Eldridge often uses is like, we make agreements, we make negative agreements, and we need the power of God to, to break them. And a the negative agreement is, I'm not worth anything. You might make, I'm not good enough. Um, I, nobody will love me or whatever it is in life that you, and in, at some point, usually because of a traumatic event, event you make, you believe that agreement to be true. Sure. And uh, you live your whole life with these negative agreements that you've made and um, until you break them, with a new truth, um, it will continue to negatively affect who you are and how you, how you view yourself. Um, so I, can relate to that and, and connect to that. And, um, for me, you know, I think there's a, and, and not just me, I, I noticed that I work a lot with, you know, our young adults and me, my wife, Stacy, she's a career counselor. So it's like, we're always having this conversation about like God's call on your life and, um, following God kind of from this point, this transition to adulthood. And I still struggle with this. It's like, um, Am I in control of my life and my destiny or is God? And there's a struggle to how much, how much do you give God control of your life? How much do you follow God? And I think I like to rest in, I find a lot more peace when I give as much as I can to God and to Christ. Um, mean, isn't it hard to, to, to wonder on your own, how you are going to be quote unquote successful in life? Like, are you going to pick the right career? Are you going to pick the right spouse? Are you going to pick the right house, car, meal, um, movie to watch, you know. I mean, that, that that might be easy to do, but the big ones in life, like there's a lot of stress and anxiety, and I see that in our young adults and a lot of you know a lot of the millennials. There's they see their parents who they see as successful, and they go, I don't. That's a gap from where I am now to where I want to be, and I'm afraid I don't have what it takes to make every right choice. Even though we know as we get older that there are plenty of mistakes being made, but we don't always talk about our mistakes, Um, especially when it comes to our kids and. Uh, how we right. giving them advice to do the right thing. Uh, we didn't tell them because we made terrible mistakes the whole time.
1: Um, well, that's that's the kind of thing that's a need-to-know
0: basis, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they wonder, like, man, if I could just be as perfect as my parents. Yeah. Okay, I don't think they wonder that. But uh-huh. they do have anxiety about, like, how I don't want to make a mistake and go on the, the wrong path. Um, gosh, that's a lot of stress and anxiety to carry and wait to hold. It's so much more freeing to to let Jesus be your guide yeah. and to really, I mean, to deeply, it's hard to deeply know and believe, but at least try um, to recognize and give him that authority over your, your life and to lean into him to have him guide you and when there are big decisions, um, you know, seek him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on Easter, I was talking to a family friend who um, is a Christian. We always talk about faith and he and he had this um, decision to make to move to another state to possibly take a job and and um the question and it seems so simple was you know you know pray about it and ask God what you should do and he wasn't surprised, but he's almost like yeah that's a that's a good idea, you know because we kind of think, man, I gotta make this right choice, I've gotta weigh all the pros and cons, which is true that's important things to do, but when Jesus is your guide, I believe without a doubt that he wants to guide you, and he will give you the information if you seek it. That if you he'll give you the right choice and the right path, you've just got to spend time in the Word and praying um, to kind of figure that out. Yeah, and I think it's not just once when you're picking your career or your college or your spouse; it's it's kind of an everyday kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there's a fine line. There's a balance between you know surrender. We don't use that word much. We don't like it because we have to be in control. But there is a spiritually speaking, there's a there's a fine line and a balance between surrender to God and responsibility or human agency and how do you prioritize that you know it's 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 at least 5149% mm-hmm. right it's at least I surrender 51% of the time and I'm I'm responsible 49% of the time at least in terms of the balancing act if you have to mm-hmm. favor one or the other and there's there's plenty of times the times I get stuck when I have a problem it's because I I took my own agency a little more seriously than the notion of surrender and it's so fascinating even as a, as a pastor and as even a person oh well that's where it started
0: yeah <laughs> when i try to figure it out on my own yeah i yeah. thought
1: uh, you know and that's that's the nature of the human condition that's why we're constantly in this cycle of uh we get stuck that's just what it means to be a human being yeah um it's so much emphasis is put on uh success perfection and and those are illusions. for sure perfection's an illusion
0: yeah
1: who decides what success is who writes those rules we we're so acculturated into kind of the wrong metrics for determining uh especially what success is or what what excellence is or and there's a lot of pressure to perform and to be perfect and those are illusions man yeah. you know those are downright illusions um And they're the result of really, the modern era. It's it's a fascinating conversation. So I I hear that. What I'm hearing is that struggle between between surrender and and my own responsibility, because we we have to have both. However, if we have to major in one area, I'd like to urge us to surrender more. Yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah, to the lordship, the authority of, of God in our life, the power of the Spirit, uh, the indwelling work of Christ in the Spirit. Um, but it's hard to do. Yeah, it's really hard to do, and we get stuck, and then that creates more stress, uh, and it's so it's that cycle, um, all, all you know, all the way through. The other thing that was fascinating uh, in Moses' story, everybody will remember the story because what we looked at was the text when after. All this back and forth with Pharaoh. Moses wants the people to be released. Pharaoh says, no. Then another plague. There's all kinds of back and forth, back and forth. You're never really sure. That's the suspense of the story. Is is Moses actually going to be able to do what he's been tasked by God to do, which is to lead his oppressed people out of oppression to freedom, to be a new and unique, peculiar people, to show the rest of the world a different way to live? That's countercultural to the to the pharaonic empire right and uh, it's the great story where yeah get out of here and they get to the red sea and god parts the red sea and all the israelites start walking behind and uh, pharaoh comes to his senses and realizes he let his entire workforce go
0: hmm. yeah,
1: and he says wait a minute i gotta stop this i need these people to build all my stuff and he chases out there after him and To me, the fascinating, I mean, any god can part a Red Sea if they're a god. So any god worth their weight in gold is going to be able to part the Red Sea. But to me, the most miraculous aspect of the story was, if you read the story too fast, you'll miss it. Halfway through, most of the Israelites are on the other side. Pharaoh's army is right in the middle of the sea. And the text says, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's a pretty good paraphrase of it. God caused confusion in Pharaoh's army, and he caused the wheels to fall off of their chariots. I love that.
0: Oh man!
1: You know, and so it's like now that's a real God I can get behind—a God that's in charge of the big stuff and the small stuff, uh, because that helps me surrender uh, day to day. And it's so hard for me to surrender. I'm not trained into it. I'm not expected to surrender. Hmm. Even as a pastor, I'm yeah. not. I'm su- I'm expected to be perfect. Well, I'm telling you right now, that ain't possible. Yeah. I'm not even close and yet those are the expectations and and, you know culturally we build this expectation a celebrity pastor and i i I just we've got so many things wrong uh and yet so many things right so you know if somebody's listening today what does it look like in your life to surrender more without losing your responsibility but how do you surrender more right to the to the lordship of god in your life it doesn't mean everything will go perfect uh you're still going to get stuck um, but you'll probably be doing the right things for the right reasons. Um, and that's a really good place to get stuck from
0: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to just being a screw up. And I've done that plenty of times too.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I, I agree. I've, yeah. I have plenty of times, but I like that um, thinking about, and same way you said steps, like what's just one, you have some things you can surrender. You should be surrendering to God and some things that, Um, are going to be too hard because of the responsibility. But, I mean, every day or every week, just like what's one little thing that you can surrender to God? I think that's a great step. Uh, So uh, let's move on a little bit, and let's uh, think about the future. Uh, Series is over. Freedom series is over. Next week will be a new series, and the series is titled, I think, Go? or. It's and, Go. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, where we're going to be headed with the new series. Well,
1: I test marketed uh, the, the title of the series, and I had a different one first. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what my original one was. And I tested it on a guy, and he just said, why don't you just call it Go? I'm a minimalist. And I go, yeah, I like that. Let's just, let's just go with Go. And the reason I—and it's the Gospel of Luke. It's one of my favorite Gospels, which isn't a bad thing to do. When you're free, it's a good time to go. <laughs> you know yeah. so let's let's go into luke's gospel let's let's live in there, lean into it, marinate in it, chew on it, just live with it, let's make that our our primary text for a season. Who knows how long it'll be? I haven't planned that far ahead, not that perfect uh but it'll be a good long chunk of time um and really, the fascinating part about Luke's Gospel is Luke is trying to connect Judaism with Jesus and the church uh so that's not a bad thing to do. So that's the hard reason. task. Yeah, it's a hard task, and that's why, uh, I mean, there's just so many reasons I like Luke. Luke. First of all, we really don't know who wrote Luke's gospel. Tradition says it was a guy named Luke. Many believe he was a physician, because he's concerned with not just people's spiritual needs, but with people's um, physical needs as well, emotional needs, physical well-being. Uh, and that's why I really like Luke, because he's very holistic. He takes a 360-degree approach to uh, whole, wholeness and living well and not just surviving but thriving in life as a, as a human being. He's not only concerned with you know, what we would consider the spirituality of knowing God through Christ, but he's also concerned with activating people to actually go into the neighborhood. And uh, I, I love it. Yeah, and we're gonna live into it and chew on it, and there's there's a lot of reasons I, I you know I like Luke's gospel, and, and I think the other thing I want to draw folks, the listeners' attention to is uh, nowhere in Scripture does it say come to church. Hmm. We've created this thing called come to church. Uh, it's not biblical. Uh, church is always people called by God living in a neighborhood that's church our campuses are just a place where we have built these buildings so that we can worship and experience the transcendence have an encounter with god we learn we worship uh we're mobilized and sent back out to be church you know in the neighborhood so it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer you're doing church as a lawyer if you're a if you're in a fortune 500 Company as a banker. If you work for Chase or Bank of America, you're you're being a Christian in your office. That's that's church. If you work, uh, you know, in HR in the city of Los Angeles, that's that's being church. If you uh, if you're a teacher down the across the street here at Valencia High School, that's where you. That's church for you as an individual. And we come on Sunday to to worship to be fed, to be encouraged, to learn about what it means to follow God through all of life, and then to live a different way in public. So it's a very public politic, and it's its own unique politic. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat, although sometimes it could be some of one and not the other, and at other times the other and not the one. It's you know, that's why it's called the kingdom of God. It's its own politic, and it's an upside-down kingdom. And all too often, people want to confuse church with buildings and church with only spirituality, which is just Gnosticism repackaged. And if you're listening you don't know what that word is, that's a good one to go look up. That's your, that's your homework. That's your action item for tonight. Uh, and we're too often dualistic and Gnostic in our, in our role, uh, in the way we view ourselves in the world. So I'm excited to explode that. And talk about church in the neighborhood because that's being church. Did I talk too much? No, that's huge. No, that's yeah. great.
0: That's good. It's it's a, a good a good little taste of what it is. You know, I, I kept thinking of the cliche it's usually like it's usually a movie line or something because uh, i never heard anyone say it. But like, oh, I'm I'm a I want to be a good Christian and go to church, or I'm a good Christian because I go to church. Maybe I guess people do say that, um, but ironically, it's like that would be the last value that. Christ would have on determining whether or not you're a good Christian, um, is whether or not you went to church. It's way more than that. It's how you lived your life, like you said, every day right, at right. work, school. Um, you know, the one thing I thought of when you when you talk about Luke and the ministry of Jesus being kind of to go into the cities. I mean, he, there were temples, and Jesus could have done his ministry in temples. He could have met in them. Or right next to them. And there's some, some of the story narratives do take place in temples, but he could have done miracles in temples and synagogues and really been in that whole realm. But I mean, things are happening in the city in the streets by lakes on yeah. boats um, in people's homes, multiple people's homes, uh, followers of his people who were just interested in him and wanted to talk to him in their house um, at weddings. I mean, it's just, it's just ministry out In the community, yeah, right. So it's going to be cool to really be able to compare and contrast. That's fascinating.
1: I hadn't thought about it exactly in that way, but he really doesn't do much in temples, and when he does, he gets upset. Yeah, not always good. It's it's rarely good. I mean, he's always he's challenging the teaching or he's overturning tables. He gets kind of he's angry. He's angry God there, and you know, to be church is always about going, go, 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 go. It's out there. So when I talk with my neighbor, I'm doing church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when you talk to your next door neighbor, you're, that's church for Garrett. That's church for me. And how wild is that of a concept yeah. for people to, you know, to think about it? Yeah. And I, I can hear the cynic say, well, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I would reply, yeah. He says that in the context of being outside in the neighborhood, not in a church. Mm. So again, all these all these opportunities happen, not in church. It's always in the it's out. So that's why you know this title "Go" is provocative for me.
0: I like it. You're going to challenge all of us pew sitters who just think we go to church, we've done our good deed. So yeah. I wanted to, we wanted to end with this kind of it's almost like a good action item, especially for being go. A couple of weeks ago, the staff um, we thought of strategic hashtags to use and if you don't know what a hashtag is i'm surprised you're listening to this podcast on your smartphone but um (laughs) it's just a a way to categorize uh posts and social media posts and just basically give them tags uh, give them um you know give them a a name and a category posts are made from all over people from all over platforms but when you put a hashtag by it you kind of group them together and people can view each other so we thought what do we want a ppc could have hashtags other than just PPC or placenta presbyterian, you know, what would we want to be associated with? What would put our vision out in the community that, so if I make a post about the kids ministry, I can use a similar hashtag, but if someone, if a church member has a, you know, a a thought or something positive, or they experienced something in life, or they had something kind of connected to church, they wanted to make a post on their own social media. What could they tag to lump these together? Basically to give someone who's checking out, the photos, away. I, I kind of look at it like an, another door to the church, sure. another front door, or yeah. or even another website. Hey, you don't have to, you know, you said to hey, link the website so people can find it. Now, what if they just begin to be able to find all of our social media posts and what they're all about? And then they'll see what see what we're about. That's a way to be go to go in the community to go in your digital communities. So we came up with these. Um, it's kind of five or six, and uh, to once you read us uh, the hashtags we have.
1: Yeah, we have uh, room for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Matter, and then Placentia Church or Iglesia de Placentia, which if you don't speak Spanish, that means um, Placentia Church in Spanish. <laughs> that was funny <laughs> that was for good. me. That Thanks, was man. good. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And then Church for the Rest of Us, which I, I actually like all these. That could be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and We See You uh, is the is the other one, and, and some of these may drop off and others may come back on, but um, it, it it connects... With freedom, it connects. Uh, with go, it connects with Jesus in the Gospels. There's the reason I like church for the rest of us, perhaps the most is there's there's really a move away from mainline churches now to the more box church, so you can go and get a rock concert and you know a pep talk. And there's nothing wrong with that, but for thoughtful folks that need a capable guide. Uh, when you get stuck, that may not surf- suffice all the time uh, and it's it's really meant to position us in the neighborhood as something a little more thoughtful, where you're going to get relevant music for today in a way that speaks your language, but you're also going to get a thoughtful how to's and how to navigate you know successfully a chaotic life uh, because the world's kind of gone mad in our in our midst, in so many different respects. So, I love this church for the rest of us. Uh, we see you for those that are marginalized. That's what we're about. Uh, those that have really been left behind and forgotten. Uh, just like Jesus, you know, did when he was out in the neighborhood. Our, our goal is really to see people and and to contend with them and to fight with them and to go shoulder to shoulder with them and uh, to love them to life. Yeah. So that's... these are good. These staff really did good. a good job.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, th- you just use them in your social media. And yep. uh, I have a good example. And this is probably, um, I don't know, it felt like, I don't know if I should say it, but I'm going to share it anyways, even if it's, uh, uh, yeah. So this uh, so this one of my wife's students was uh, volunt- is the staff at a church in the area. And I don't know the church, so it's fine. I can share this. And um, as a girl, uh, she wasn't allowed to uh, give announcements on stage without a male elder. So a good example would be, Hey, look at one of our young women, uh, give an announcement at church, hashtag church for the rest of us. Um, because you can do that here. And, um, if you've, if you feel frustrated, um, kind of where, where you're at or some of the ways that churches have, I don't know, put rules on people, um, and you need freedom, then, uh, the church is here. so, so, Yeah, so we want people, all of us, to think of creative ways and uh, when you post things, even if you're here and your family for Easter, if you post a picture and you were here and you use one of these things like Room for You, it allows people to um, kind of find them all and see what we're all about. So that's all for today. Uh, We've gone through a bunch of different things and uh, we hope that you've enjoyed our journey from the past going over our Lent series, the future, the go, and uh, a way that you can be out by using these hashtags. Uh, Thanks for joining us.